that we should expect is, and this, is, this isn't some kind of high off the, off the ground in the pantry where you've got to get a ladder to get it. This is not something where you've got to be a 20 or 30 year Christian. When you come to Christ, you should be working towards a point to where we can help others grow in Christ. I always tell folks that if you're one day older in Christ than another person, then you can take them and show them what you know. Right? It's not much more than what they know, but you can show them that. And in our Western culture, we've made Christianity, uh, we've professionalized it. And we've, we've kind of placed all the work on those who are, who are called. Right? That guy's a called evangelist, so he, he shares Jesus with people. He's a this is a called pastor. So the pastor does all the work of the ministry. And when we're reading in Ephesians chapter 4 today, we see that this is not true at all. And part of the reason why we are as a church is because we're not doing what Ephesians chapter 4 talks about. So before I get started in our message today, I want to read a quote. I want you to see a quote on the screen here. And some of you have seen it. I liked it so much that I don't often post on my personal Facebook page, but I did post this, and you'll see the following. We have too many spiritual overeaters in our churches. They've been gorging on good teaching for years, but haven't been following the teachings of Jesus' way of discipling others as they have been discipled. We, we feed on God's Word. We just suck it in. We get spiritually overweight. And so how do, we, how do we get spiritually thin again? We go and work, right? We go and get on that spiritual treadmill. We share Jesus with other people. We do what the disciplines say, what the spiritual disciplines say, because otherwise we sit and go, I just want you to feed me. I want to be fed. And you guys know what I think about that enough that I haven't heard it here in three or four years, so it's been really nice. Uh, that one thing that I hear that people say about their pastor, that if you hear, if you say it, I'm probably going to respond to you, and you might not like it, but I'll, you'll, you'll say, uh, you're not feeding me. Don't say that to me, okay? I'm not feeding, you know, you, because I might not respond in a way that you'll like. Um, most of the problem is, is we're not feeding ourselves in such a way that we can grow, uh, and we'll look at the, uh, the message today. We'll see that we have plenty of opportunities for feeding. And we'll, we'll see the real problem is, is that believers are so spiritually overweight, so to speak, if we want to use that, uh, that illustration to the extreme, that we, we have a hard time walking. We have a hard time getting to the car. We have a hard time going, right, because we have all this spiritual baggage, all this spiritual bigness that we don't want to do anything with it, right? So there's a lot of truth to that quote. So let's go ahead and look at Ephesians chapter 4, and you'll see on the outline we'll be in, um, it says 1 through 16, but I'm going to start at verse 11, and it's not on the overhead. You have 12 through 16, then we'll take a pit stop at 5-1, and then 5-19 through 21. And let me start at Ephesians 11. And then we'll pick up with the screen here. He says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. We see that a lot, don't we? Somebody says something, and then we just kind of run with it. I was looking at this church. Let me take a break for just a minute, and I'll pick back up. Uh, I was looking at this church yesterday online, um, Bethel Church in Redding, California. They've got eight or 9,000 people every single week that listen to the teachings of Bill Johnson at Bethel Church in California. And friends, they are absolutely heretical. Absolutely heretical. And people fall for this stuff. Uh, in their church services, they'll have, the pastor will talk about the, the blessings of God falling on the church, uh, and he'll say something like the uh, angel feathers uh, want to come down and bless you. And they'll be like bird feathers dropping throughout the congregation. Uh, they'll talk about, it's a, gospel, it's a prosperity gospel. And they'll talk about how God wants to bless the church with, with wealth and money and all this, and then like glitter, like gold glitter will come down, you know, as a covering for, for you all that you're going to be blessed with, with this sort of thing. Look at the church in, in Texas, the large church in Texas that you guys know, my, my friend Joel, uh, my brother Pastor Joel over there. How many, people, how many people does that hold? And that's the kind of message that people want to hear. Right? Whenever you see those little snippets, and they're nice things, they're good, you know, you want to think, well, I like that. That's kind of nice. But it's not what the Bible says. And so the Bible says right here, the craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. They know that people want to hear that, and so they say those things to kind of tickle the ears. And it's not truth. It's not biblical truth. So guys, we have to rightly divide the word of truth when we're preaching, when we're teaching, when we're Walking with another believer, man, it's hard when you're walking with another believer and they say something that's not right, to have the integrity of a mature Christian to say, hey, you know, hey, let's just pause right here for just a minute. You said this thing. It sounded like this to me. Is that what you meant? Right? Give them an out. You want to give them an out. Like, no, I didn't mean that at all. And when they're really thinking, yeah, I did, but apparently it's not right. Right? Uh, And correct those things right then. Instead, speak the truth in love. In a couple weeks, Tyler and I are going to go to New Orleans, and we're going to minister at Mardi Gras. Tyler is going to witness some guys on a street corner screaming at gays and lesbians and the people who are getting hammered drunk with Christian shirts on, holding up the biggest King James Bible you'll ever see, screaming at people. Now, whenever they read this right here, what do, you, what do you think they do with that? They just pass it over, right? Because it doesn't fit with what they want. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, that's all of us, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, Ephesians 5, 1 says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. This is who we want to imitate. 
We don't want to follow the guy on TV. We don't want to follow this one book. We get in a rut. You guys ever get in a book reading rut where you read that one author? Right? We've got to be careful of that. There's some danger in that. In Ephesians 5, 19 through 21, it says, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Wouldn't that be fun if we just like would talk to somebody and just sing? It'd be like a musical, and they would sing back. Carla, that'd be fun. No? You're the only one to think, okay. How are you today? Nothing? All right. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. That's what you all are doing. You're all like, I'll just do it in my heart. Because it says so right here, right? Amen. I've heard Dave try to sing, and I'm so glad this part's in here. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything, whether we can sing or not. (laughs) In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reference for Christ, reverence for Christ. We're a body, right? We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We've got to do what this says. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll see what this scripture says right here, how we can help each other to help others to grow. Father, I thank you for this time. We thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, we've got a lot of folks out sick today. We pray that they would feel better soon. Uh, We're actually thankful that they are home, that they're taking care of themselves and not spreading their goodness with everybody here. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, those who need to go to the doctor will go and and do so. Uh, But Father, I pray that as we look at your word today, that we can be strengthened as a church, that we can be encouraged to do what you say, and that we can be encouraged to not only grow ourselves to be mature Christians, but that we can help others to grow as mature Christians. That if we would consider ourselves a born-again believer, that we might see it as our biblical responsibility to not only to learn, but to pass on that truth to other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first first truth we'll look at is we help others to grow by committing to be prepared. We can commit to be prepared. This is based on Ephesians 4 and verse 12. And I don't know what kind of version your Bible has, but it probably will say something like prepare, uh, equipping. You'll see a word perfecting, uh, responsibility. Does anybody else have a different word for that right there? I think I hit most of the major training, training right there. So um, this is the idea that we're looking at, right? And I like the one version that says the responsibility of this. They just kind of skip over that word and put, it's your responsibility, okay? And whenever we have a responsibility, if we're not doing that thing, we're, we're being disobedient, right? It's our responsibility to do this. And when this word is used in the Bible, the idea is a complete preparation, it's, it's not just a, oh, I went to Sunday school this morning and I learned a couple truths, you know, or I, wrote, I jotted some notes down. You guys ever take the notes that I, you know, I leave these blanks and then you fill in the thing? And then what happens to those notes like on Sunday and then the next week? Right? They, you know, they go in the, tra- you know, whatever, do whatever you want with them, right? It's for you. Uh, but we, we just, we take these things in and we become that spiritual overeater. Where we, where we take them all in and then we kind of don't do anything with it. Well, the Bible says that we're supposed to prepare to be complete so we can actually go out and use those things. 
It also carries with the idea of to bring an end, to finish. There's a goal with that. We're supposed to say, okay, we're supposed to learn and do this. When you talk to people, ask them if they go to church or not. And uh, if, you can, if you can have this conversation with them and they do go to church somewhere, probe and ask them why. why do you, what, what do you do? I know I go too, but I want, I'm asking people why they go. You know, what's, do you, what, do you, what do you get there? What's, what's important to you? And you'll see, you'll see a run the gamut. But what you won't see a lot of is a lot of people saying, I go to fellowship with my brothers and sisters, not only because I need that and the, and the church needs that, but so we'll get built up, and so we can take this in, and so we can learn, so we can go. So we can see what God's Word says, so we can rightly divide the Word of truth, so we can go. We'll, we rarely see that, because we have a Western church full of immature Christians. We're consumers. Whoever has the nicest carpet, whoever has the nicest preaching, whoever has the nicest music... Right? Whatever is aesthetically pleasing. You think about it, not much. It doesn't take much to put us off at a church. It can be one degree higher right now. And I'll have a complaint later that the church was too hot. Right? Our music can be uh, too soft. It can be too loud. We can have this style or we can have that. Brother Toby's too short. He's too tall. He's too fat. He's too skinny. I can't hear him. He's too loud. Right? It doesn't take, I don't like the color of the offering envelopes. At our church, they're blue. And y'all got the white ones. It don't take much. Well, go to the church with the blue ones. Let's look at a portion of verse 12. Verse 12, we're supposed to prepare God's people for works of service. And do you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to make arrangements in advance. How in the world are we supposed to prepare God's people for service if I'm not preaching and preparing and training like verse 11 says, and then the people that I train and teach and preach to aren't taking that in and then saying, okay, i got to do something with this, right? I claim to be a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, but yet I, I do this and this and this. And so then we would say, well, I've, I've got to work on this and this and this, right? I'd rather do this and this and this, but the Bible says for me to do X, Y, and Z rather than A, B, and C. So I've got to conform to what it says. So here's a few of the things that we can do here at Concord to prepare ourselves. Number one is Bible study. My goodness, I've got a friend who serves a church in Texas he said, you know, I, I love my church. He said, but one of the things that absolutely wears us out is we have more Bible study than anybody in the entire state. We've got two on Sunday. I've got a men's group on Monday, a men's group on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday morning. We've got women's groups on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and we've got some kind of prayer group that meets on whatever. I said, how in the world do you have time to take that information and go do it? He goes, well, we don't. I said, you don't, you don't do anything? He goes, no. All we do is worship and we go to Bible study. We don't do anything else. Well, we don't have that problem here. <laughs> right? We got Sunday morning Bible study. And I don't, so we had 50 last week. That's an awesome place to come and gather with brothers and sisters and study God's word. Friends, if you're not coming to Bible study, I want to encourage you. 
come to Bible study. We've got Bible study in the morning, Sunday night. It's more of a Bible study time, right? It's not a time where I get up and just preach and then you can't say anything. We'll do it like a teaching on Sunday night. We've got an opportunity on that. Wednesday, we've got little ones, teens, and then the adults. We're studying James right now. And then we have Christians who say, well, I can't, I don't know what Scripture says, or I can't, I'm always confused on this, and yet those are the ones that won't come to Sunday morning Bible study, Sunday night Bible study, and or Wednesday night Bible study. We have all these opportunities. Bible study. Number two, we have Sunday morning preaching and teaching, expositing God's Word. Guys, I study when when I prepare. I study for this. I go through and I, all right, God, what would you have me to say? What does this mean? What is this, what is this text? You'll see in your bulletin that I actually prepare a outline for you. I do the overhead. So you hear me, you can write, you see it. If you want to, we record it and you can go back online and listen to it again. One of the ways that we can prepare is by coming listening, and then kind of doing what, what it said. Unless you come up to me afterwards and say, you did not rightly divide the word of truth today, and it actually says this. Well, praise the Lord. I'd love for somebody to say that, right? It, the Bible says this, and here's why. Okay, good. That means you're studying, right? Amen. Another opportunity is one-on-one discipleship. This is where we enter into a life-on-life discipleship with somebody. I was writing down the names the other day on a little legal sheet of paper to see how many. I thought I was getting a little discouraged. I thought, ah, we we have a lot of people who aren't doing life-on-life with somebody. And so I started writing down the names. Man, I was encouraged. The number of people who are ongoing uh, training somebody life-on-life or the ones who have went through with somebody is about 20% of our church. And you think, well, that's kind of low, but actually that's really good. Because if you were to take that, the same question and place it on, on other churches in our association, there's only two or three other churches that do like we do or more. Uh, Dawson might do more, and maybe that's about it. That's about it. One-on-one discipleship. Are you entering into a life-on-life discipleship with somebody? And if you say, I just don't know about that, find out. I want to show you. I'll show you what you need to do. Or maybe you say, you know what, Toby, I I don't need to be leading that. I've never done anything like this. I need to be brought through that. We've got men and we've got women that can take you through and say, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're 15 or if you're 85. You can go through with somebody and train somebody else. Weekday ministries. We've got a lot of hope in our county. We've got the hope to all. We've got door of hope. And then also hope you come on Wednesday. Okay? So all kind of hope. So all kind of opportunities for you to serve. Um, Barbara started this year, was it? A few months ago? Uh, down at, at door of hope. and Volunteering, what, one day a week? Uh, take, or just taking some time out of her week. Uh, we've got several of our church, three or four ladies, um, is that one, two, three, four ladies that go to uh, Hope to All on Tuesdays, pack boxes. It looks like a Ford assembly line now. They all look exactly the same, don't they? And you can thank those four ladies for that. It's awesome. 
You feel like, well, there's no opportunities for me to serve. Come on Wednesday. There's all kind of opportunities on Wednesday to serve. I had the high school calling me saying, hey, can you come and read uh, the seniors' essays? Uh, for an hour or two a week, uh, I've been going to the high school and just reading their essays and fixing their punctuation and their wording. Most of them, not even that, showing them how to get online and apply to college. Uh, they haven't even done that. Guys, there's opportunities. So we need to commit to prepare ourselves to do this. Ephesians 4, 11 says, He gave some as apostles, as prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Friends, it's my, oppor- it's my responsibility to train you. It's not my responsibility to do all the ministry. The Bible says my responsibility is to train the church. Do you guys remember a few years ago that kid in uh, vacation Bible school said, it sounds like you're trying to get us to do your work. And I said, that kid gets it, right? Yes, exactly. And he was like, what? Wouldn't it be awesome if there was, you know, we all learned from God's word, we preached and, and we taught, and then we all said, As mature Christians, hey, I'm supposed to do that, right? When someone's in the hospital and we go visit that person in the hospital, whenever they got a visit from somebody in Concord, they got a visit. But you know what happens is if they didn't get a visit by the pastor, they didn't get a visit. It's true, all right? Because as a church, we have that mindset. Right? The pastor, if the pastor's not doing this, this, and this, then the church is not doing it. I'm tickled to death that I can go to Hope to All on Tuesday and I spend 30 or 45 minutes and leave. Because I know that I've got one, two, three, four people there who stay the entire time. I don't have to be there. I'm not going to be there the whole time. Whenever they see me pop in, I'm going to hand out 10 or 12 red books to people. I'm going to pray with some folks and I'm leaving. I do something else now. We've, I've multiplied myself. Right? We've trained. We've completed that. We've got somebody down at Dora Hope now. All these other opportunities for us as a church. I have a responsibility to train, but what else is a responsibility? It's on this side, and what else? It's on this side, too. You guys have a responsibility to take what we have for training and how we're teaching, to take and do those things. If you're not a Christian, don't worry about it. You're not included. Just do what you want, right? Because you're going to do that anyway. Or you're lost. You're apart from Christ. The Bible says you're an enemy of God. So just keep being an enemy. But as a Christian, you have an absolute responsibility to prepare yourself to go. And when we're not doing that, we're in sin. And we want to go to the enemies of God. We want to go to the one who's separated from God and be prepared. Number two is we want to be committed to change. We hate this word, right? No, we like it. We want to change. Whenever the church called me, we met, I met with the pastor search committee, and I heard the same thing that every other pastor hears when they go to a church, especially one that's kind of struggling. I think it was Norman. He said, you know, we've got probably about 10 or 15 years. If we don't do something, Concord will close. Do you remember that? We, we will shut down. Uh, it just won't happen. And everybody talks it up, right? We want to change. We want. But as soon as we start doing stuff, that's, that's the problem, right? 
We're like, oh boy, I don't know about that. Paul says, until we reach maturity, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Guys, there is no maturity unless there's change. You've got to change. You can't help it. Right? You cannot help it. And we're not necessarily talking about changing the Scripture version you use in and saying, okay, the newest one came out. Let's go ahead and use that. If you can read your version of God's Word, read that version, right? But people get all worked up. Like if you're not reading this one version, your eternity is at stake. Or the music we have, right? Of all the change things, that has got to be the worst. I mean, it is flat the worst to hear people complain about the music. Um, My goodness. I don't particularly like rap music. But you know what? I know some Christian rap artists that I'll listen to their stuff and not like it, but know that people are coming to Christ because of them. Uh, There's certain styles of music that I really don't care for. But as a church, we would say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about change for this, for that sake. But I would change some of the stuff in order to reach some people. And we're not talking about scripture. We're not talking about a song. We're not talking about the color of our carpet that we might do. We're talking about change personally. We're talking about change and growth. That you're not going to stay when you came to Christ that, that, you know, that one that barely knows where the scriptures are. Like if I say, all right, everybody turn to Micah whatever. And then you flip out like you did 10 years ago because you don't know where it is. That shows that we're not mature. After 10 years, we would not, we would want to know where Micah was. Or if I took one of you and said, all right, we're going to go, you know, we're all amening about the soul winning business. And I say, all right, you, we're going soul winning. And then you go, oh, all of a sudden you get rigor mortis. Right? And you get like some kind of blindness all of a sudden. Right? Why is that? Because we're, we're still immature. Change towards to where we can go and do those things. You know, Toby, I'm not comfortable with that. What can I do to do this? Right? I'm not comfortable with this change. How can I, how can I learn to do this sort of thing? There's a goal. And that goal is maturity. We want to work towards that. The NIV and the New Living Translation. How many have the New Living Translation? That's an easy one to read. I know some of you guys have that. I think those folks may be missing. It says, then they will no longer be infants. The NASB says, as a result. I would ask you today, what, are you on some kind of a track towards maturity? How is your Bible? Let's, let's start with the base. How is your Bible reading? Do you read Scripture on a regular basis? How can we expect to mature in God's Word if we're not reading it? Right? That's like the kid in, in high school class who's complaining about their grade in science, and they never read and never study. And it's the teacher's fault, right? It's always the teacher's fault. They're just too hard or whatever. Well, everybody else got from 70 to 100, and you got like a 20. I would say the problem's with you, right? So I'm not studying enough, right? I need to do something. And as a Christian, how is our Bible reading? Are we memorizing God's Word? Are we putting it in our heart? Are we sharing our faith? I've heard this before, and I've heard it here. I just don't know any non-Christians. What are you, comatose? Do you live in the house? you never leave? Right? You don't know any non-Christians? Are you kidding me? They're everywhere! 
right? Drive down the road. Go across the street, right? You don't know any lost people. Friends, they're everywhere. Instead of just saying, you know what, I'm not comfortable with sharing my faith, we say, I don't know any lost people, or that's the preacher's job. Rather than saying, my goal is this, then I'm going to learn to share this. Just take that share Jesus without fear, those five questions. Learn those five questions. And say, I'm going to practice with this. I'm going to go somewhere where people don't know me. I'm going to spend the day in Jackson, Tennessee, or Paducah, and go to the mall and have a clipboard. Just go in with a clipboard and go up to people and go, hey, I'm doing a little survey for my church. Do you got like three minutes? You'll never see him again. Reps. Just get some spiritual reps. Are you intentional about your sharing? Third truth is committing to discovering and using our gifts. This is verse 16. It says, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I debated on using this illustration, but I think it fits really well. Um, we all know somebody who's physically disabled. Don't we probably? Most of us know somebody who's, you can see their disability. They've got crutches, they've got braces, they're in a wheelchair, uh, maybe they're blind, they, something, right? They can't hear, uh, whatever it is. Uh, and because of that disability, they need help getting around, they need help uh, to see, they need help hearing, whatever that is. And we can see it, right? Now, we all know people who are disabled that you can't see their disability. It's, maybe it's a mental disability, uh, and you get to talking with them, and then you realize real quick that there's something. But otherwise, you wouldn't see it, right? You'd, you'd walk up, and you go, okay, this is whatever, and I'm going to have a conversation. And then next thing you go is, okay, I can't have this conversation today with this person. And we all know somebody like that. Now, liken that to the church. Liken that to our body. There's some church bodies where you can immediately walk up to that church body, and you can see the wheelchair. You can see the crutches. You can see that there is some kind of a, a disability with that church. They're having a hard time. There are other churches where you go in and you spend a couple Sundays and you go, that's a pretty solid church. And then you're there for a year and you go, whoa, there's some stuff in here, right? This is what our Western church has become. It, we look all nice. We look good. We come and we, we do the right things. I say we do our omni-dominies. We come and we, we have our worship schedule. When we redid that, the worship bulletin, we kind of monkeyed with it a little bit. Some of you may not even notice. Me and Carla were like, oh, no, how many, how many complaints are we going to get on this, right? Because we, we took a couple things out and we moved some things around. We, we were thinking, oh, we're going to get it, but we didn't, so that was kind of nice. Uh, but just that worry. That, oh, we're going to get it from somebody over moving this stuff around like this. It shows kind of a sickness in the church when we worry about those things. Listen to what this says right here. Joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Our churches operate on such low efficiency because there's only a couple ligaments that are working. And maybe this one's working over here that's really not connected very well to this one, right? They're doing the best they can through the Spirit, but their gifts are so different that we need the ones in the middle to work too. And I'm convinced that if there's just one or two in a church body, 
who are born-again believers who's just let their muscles atrophy, they've let their ligaments go, our entire church body is going to suffer. So when we look at what should we expect, we should we expect mature believers discipling other believers. It's awful hard to do when we're worrying about this one over here who's just broken down and refuses to exercise that arm or exercise that spiritual gift. And I wrote it this way. What Paul's trying to say is this. If you claim to be a part of the body, but aren't participating, discovering your gifts, using your gifts for his kingdom, you are, you are not mature, and part of the reason the church is not mature. That's the Toby paraphrase right there, basically what he's saying. Now listen to this quote from Bill Hull. When I read this this past week, I thought, that's pretty bold. He says that well over 50% of the average congregation is a ministry wasteland. That's tough. That's nice to write in a book, but could you imagine him coming to your church and saying that? Hey, half of your church is a ministry wasteland. This half's great, and this half's a wasteland. This half does a wonderful job, and this half doesn't do anything. Right? That's a kick in the teeth, isn't it? But it's true, isn't it? There's a lot of truth to that. Let me ask you a couple questions here. Do you, know, do you know what your spiritual gifts are, and do you know how to discover those? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are, and do you know how to discover those? Guys, we make this way more difficult than it really needs to be. You guys ever taken those surveys where you write, write down, and you see what you're, and it takes like three hours to do, and then you've got to add up all these numbers, and then you've got to look at the bottom and say, oh, great, I have the gift of evangelist. I'm, I'm an evangelist. And you're like, mm-mm, that ain't right. Uh, it's not that hard. Tony's going to throw them up on the screen. Ask yourself these two questions. What am I already good at? Just break it down. What, am I, or what do I do well? Right? And what am I interested in doing for the kingdom? What do I want to do? What do I like to do? And what do I want to do? And in those things already, God has already given us things and gifts that we're good at. Right? And you might say, I'm good at this, but the Bible doesn't speak to that. Look to Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, and that'll give us a start. And so you might say, I've got the, I've, I like to do this. And when you read Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, you might go, hey, that's right here. I, I like to do these things. And then work up those gifts. Prepare those things. Right? We have to spend some time doing those things. Our kids don't graduate high school, and all of a sudden they're a medical doctor. Wouldn't that be fun, Carolyn? You may deal with some of those. I don't know. They go get training, right? They have a certain level of aptitude, and then they go get training for that thing. And we're thankful for that training. I wish it wasn't called a practice, though, because that's pretty much what they do. I think this will work. Okay, let's try it. Final truth is committing to walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 19 through 21. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Now, in the previous verse, Paul says, hey, don't get hammered drunk, but be filled with the Spirit, right? This being filled 
is a moment-by-moment filling. He's not talking about that second filling that some of our brothers and sisters talk about. This is a moment-by-moment decision to follow Christ. Maybe you have it better than I do. Maybe you wake up every single day and you go, I'm ready to go today. Golly gee, it's going to be a wonderful day today, worshiping and serving our Lord and King, right? And you've got that goofy smile on your face, and I do that, right? Is that why you're laughing? Shake your head up and down, no? But this is a moment-by-moment decision, and what 19 through 21 is showing us what that looks like, right? Corey likes that. Golly gee. And it looks like this. You'll see it on the overhead. It looks, it looks like this, speaking, right? Speak to one another in hymns and songs and scripture. Now, me and Barbara aren't going to say, Barbara, how you doing? And then she's going to say, I'm great, you know. <laughs> no, she's not going to do that. So she'll say something, and I'll say, oh, that reminds me of this scripture, right? And I'll quote scripture to her, and she'll say, man, I really needed that today. I really appreciate that. Or I'll be moaning about something, and then Dave will say, you know, Brother Toby, the Bible says this, and I'll go, yeah, that's, true. that's right. I appreciate that. Right, speaking to one another. And instead, what we do is, I'm just going to lead someone to Jesus by the way I walk every day. Right? I mean, my goodness, I'm 39 years old, and I have never led anybody to Christ by the way I walk every day. It just don't happen. Right, Joetta? You, you can watch me walk and go, I don't know. Right? Speak to one another. Look for his glory and not ours when we're speaking to one another. Instead of complaining like we do or whining about the color of the carpet or the translation or the songs, just say, you know what, that song's not the one I'd like to sing, but it's the one we're singing today, and I'm going to worship Jesus with it. Brother Toby used this translation that I'm not all about. But you know what, he, he can read that one and other people can too. I'm going to follow along the best I can with this. I'd rather do this, but I'm going to do with my brothers and sisters this thing in order to be built up. Singing. Singing shows an attitude of worship. Guys, we're spirit-controlled, not me-controlled. And so when that song comes up, and I can pick apart theologically very easily some of the ones in our blue hymnal and our new contemporary ones, I'm just going to say, Lord, this is what we have today, and I'm going to praise you. I'm not the best singer. I'm not going to get up there and do my my song and dance. But Father, I'm going to praise you today with the voice that you gave me, because you gave me this voice. Uh, I'm not an American Idol singer. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. We want our attitude to be one of thanks. Instead of Barbara saying, man, i got to go to Door Hope today, right? She's thankful to go. Or working at Hope to All. i got to go down there and serve these poor people. i got to get stuff, right? Man, I'm thankful to serve people that are in need today. Or whatever job we have. Lord, thank you for giving me this job today. Thank you for this opportunity. Man, I took a tongue lashing a while ago. Thanks for helping me learn from that, you know, so I don't do that thing again or to know how to better do this. Giving thanks. We're going to help other people grow in Christ whenever we have that attitude of thanksgiving rather than everything's broken, we hate everything. That attitude of thanksgiving. Submitting. By submitting. God has given us authority over us on purpose. You know, when President Obama was our president for eight years, man, we badmouthed him like it was our job. God gave us President Obama 
just like he gave us President Trump. They are in authority over us, and we are to respect that. God has given authority in the church, and we're to respect that. Our pastors, our teachers, our elders, our deacons, we're to respect that authority. You guys remember when we had that, I preached on church discipline out of Matthew 18, and I said, hey, I'm special, remember? Uh, Matthew 18 doesn't apply to me, and it doesn't, but uh, Timothy speaks to that. You remember? You can't just go to the to elder because there is authority. You're supposed to say, okay, I've got to take another brother. I skip step one. I, I don't just go to that elder, that pastor, that teacher. I've got to take another brother because that is authority. And so that's how I'm special. But God is protecting the church with that, with these petty little things, right, by submitting to authority. God calls us all to a life of service, and because of that, we're to submit to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ as we train up the next generation of Christians. So what should we expect? We, expect, we should we expect that every single person here <clears throat> who claims to be a Christian, if I were to ask and say, hey, raise your hand, don't do it, raise your hand if you're a Christian, and everybody raises their hands, it would be absolutely no What's the word I'm looking for? Everybody should be maturing. And everybody should be helping somebody else in some way or learning to help somebody else in some way. In closing, let me encourage you. If you're a believer, if you're born again today and you are not helping someone else, grow in Christ, learn God's word, to pray, to evangelize, to share their faith, to worship, let me encourage you to do that. Maybe you know how, and it's just been lazy, right? Let's just be real about it. You go, ah, I've just been straight up lazy about it. Or maybe you don't know how. And say, Toby, I need some help. Come see me after church and say, Brother Toby, I need, I need help on doing this. What do I do? I want to follow Christ. I want to mature my walk with him. And ask me, and I'll show you what you can do, some, some easy steps on beginning that. If you're here today, and you're, you couldn't raise your hand and say, I'm born again, What I said a while ago was true. You are separated from him. The Bible calls you a child of the devil. You are an enemy of his. But yet he loves you so much that he wants you as a child of his. He sent his own child to die for you so that you might have a relationship with him. If this is you, during our time of invitation, I want to ask that you come and say, man, the Holy Spirit's been working on me. What do I need to do right now to come know him as Lord and Savior. As I pray, I'll ask the musicians to come and and they'll uh, play here in just a moment uh, and you come as the Lord leads you. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. Lord, we pray that uh, we can be built up. We can be encouraged as believers. Father, we pray that we would